You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. And I kept dreaming, dreaming of this world I thought I'd never see. And then, one day, something happened. Something extraordinary. What was it? That's going to have to wait till next time. NCOM CEO Kevin Flynn was reported missing today. He was last seen at his home with his son, Sam. Sam, I was Paige last night. Paige came from your dad's office at the arcade. That number's been disconnected for 20 years. Hey, Dad. This isn't happening. Everybody and welcome once again to Geek Fest Rants. My name is Carlos Perone, and today we are coming back to uh, Disney, a subject that keeps kind of growing and growing with its acquired properties. This time we are talking about Tron, uh, not so much the movie, but the ride, the ride that finally opened at Disney a number of months ago. And I'm going to talk about what it was like, how it compares. Luckily, this time around, I have our show favorite, James, joining us, who is going to help us kind of compare it to the Disney Shanghai version. You see how those two stack up against each other? You know, what are the similarities? What are the differences? And we're going to talk about some of the innovative new ways that they made this ride a little more accessible to uh, visitors to the park. And then we jump over to the Indiana Jones 
retro action figure line. Again, keeping it in the Disney family. We are going to talk about the newest wave of figures that kind of came out to sort of coincide with the release of the, the latest Indiana Jones film over this past summer. It's a continuation, in a way, of what was once, you know, the old Kenner line, you know, similar to what Star Wars did in a very, very much smaller scale, super smaller scale. But not only did they reproduce some of the existing figures that had come out back in the 80s, but have actually introduced some new figures from other Indiana Jones films. So that's a cool little upgrade, if you will. So let's get started with Disney's Tron Ride. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our on-the-spot task force. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Thank you, Bob. It's Mort. Mort, yes. I am Ted Baxter, and here is the news. Okay, joining me again, I have James once more. Say hi, James. Hello, hello. Well, we're going to hit our first subject, which is Tron, uh, specifically the ride at Disney. Uh, now, a while back, I believe James already talked about his experience because the Tron ride premiered in Shanghai a couple of years ago, and it slowly made its way here. And finally, they had it. And finally, I was able to experience it. And it took me a while because I think it premiered here and sometime around April, they were doing some of the test runs and that sort of thing. But not until, I don't know, about two weeks ago, I think I finally got on it. And one of the things I want to mention is this is a different kind of ride and the timing is kind of odd in a way because even while they were building the ride and even while they had it in Shanghai, we kept saying to ourselves, okay, there's got to be a big push for Tron in terms of is there going to be more media associated, whether it's a film or a TV show or something? Because usually you don't put out at a Disney park something this big, you know, unless it's attached to some kind of, uh, you know, franchisee, you know, uh, subject matter. Do you remember if when you went to uh, China, if Tron, th there was any buzz of Tron doing anything? Disney was very, very high on Tron when they came out with the sequel in about 2010. Oh, yeah. Think after that. And it actually made money and it got good buzz. It just, in hindsight, it didn't yeah. have legs, but it did do well at the time. Everybody was very excited about it. I think the planning going into Shanghai Disney, which ended up opening in 2016, the middle of 2016 or so. Okay. So that gives it, you know, the ramp up of getting things planned. Well, all over the Disney parks in America, there was like, the monorails were themed with graphics to make them look Tron-esque. And the same thing they were hoping would continue when they were planning the uh, as, a, as a feature ride for uh, Shanghai. And that was the first place it was going to be. And then I guess eventually come everywhere else. So we had been thinking and hearing and hoping for years afterwards, but specifically within the first two or three years afterwards, that this director was going to have an opportunity to go another movie. Now, this was the bridge, the setup for the future. And then they had a plan. There was a Tron in about 2012 animated. I, I wouldn't call it cartoon. 
it was more an anime anime. Yeah. And yeah. it was it was great. Unfortunately, by the middle of it, things started petering out and there was very little talk anymore. So they just continued with the theming in Shanghai because people did seem to like it in the world. It did have a nice following. Is it enough to have a major ride in the foreign park? I don't know, but it got me there. It got me to want to go and it got me to go to Shanghai to ride it because it was one of the main things, the main reasons I went. I had the opportunity to be in China and I made it, you know, darn sure I got to see it. Well, the timing, the math could kind of work in terms of this one in uh, Orlando was, I believe, announced in 2017, I think it was. And that makes uh, sense because it was launched there. It was coming here. And if you recall, they had broken ground and they had gotten to a level of what we could tell was going to be something and where it was going to be. And they cleared out other things. I guess did Autoto- it was an Autotopia that got cleared out and things like that. Then COVID hit. And I think at some point, they didn't think COVID was going to go so long. And and work continued a little bit because it was Florida, and Florida had its Wild West kind of rules. But at some point, they shut it down. And I don't know, I don't remember if it was lack of money because of the parks being closed, even though Florida had some ability to get around some of the national type of rules. But it was shut down almost as if we didn't know what was going to happen. Is it going to be just an empty construction site for a while? And it feels like that put a damper on. Maybe it gave it a year delay, maybe more. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like I said, if you add up the years and you have to subtract the COVID out of it, it took about five or six years for it to get here. You know, if it started in 17 and now it's 2023, you know, it was a full six years. So, you know, maybe you add maybe one year of COVID delays or two years of COVID delays. So it took a while. So what I'm getting to is if it takes somewhere between three to four years to build a thing like this under normal conditions, then, you know, the, the China one, yeah, it kind of makes sense. They probably started sometime after, definitely after the last movie, obviously, and maybe around the time of the, the animated show, because uh, that would bring you into the 2016s, you know, with a completed ride. So even though it took forever and it felt like it, it also kind of stayed on track in terms of doing it. I remember going to the park, you know, announcing it. I remember them clearing the space. I remember them showing us these two bikes that they had on display that people could sit on them and try them out. So they had something definitely in mind. And obviously when you have the template of China, there it is, you know, that's what the final product is going to look like. So that's what we get. Here's a loose likelihood of timeline. They announced Shanghai Disney in November, 2010. Do you remember what month Tron came out in 2010? It was, I thought it was later in the year. The it was year. December, I believe. So there you go. So that was the big, Hey, we got this fantastic new movie. It's going to be one of our premier rides in this new fantastic park that we're going to, co-sponsor, et cetera, et cetera. It broke ground a year later in 2011, which is still within the area, like I said, where the legs of the franchise were still stretching. They were getting around the world. They were planning the cartoon. So all that makes sense. And then officially, like I said, opening in the middle of 2016 goes exactly with what you said, if it takes three or four years. So you figure 2011 groundbreaking, it's like 2015-ish. Maybe with some delays, get to 2016. Mm-hmm. There we are. Florida would have been exactly probably on schedule that way and probably would have opened much sooner had we not had any delays for, you know, 
COVID and things like that. So. Right. And COVID also, keep in mind, it affected different things. Not only was it a matter of not being able to bring people into work, you know, in, in, in a close proximity, and you said money, which I, I'm not, I don't know about money because those type of things are allocated years in advance. The money is already scheduled unless they take the money and use it for something else. Yeah. But the, the other thing is the supply chain issues that they were having during COVID, which is like, if they need... I don't know, steel or concrete or whatever the hell they need to build these things or certain components, electronical components, no no kidding, you know, all that stuff coming from China, then yeah, it's there's a good chance that a lot of this stuff, they were just sitting around waiting for it to arrive. I think it was worth the wait. I think it was probably better to wait instead of rush it. And that gave them some time as we have, we, we've heard and we've been hearing and have hoped for a future movie, which may not be in the direction we thought it was going to be at first, but hey, anything with Tron, if you keep Tron alive, it keeps the core fans happy, which I think I think both of us are. <laughs> right. And during this time, I'm talking about after the animated show went away, there have been these little blips of... Oh, we, we're thinking about a, another movie. Oh, we're, we're talking about it. We're doing this. We are currently in a another movie is coming phase. You know, we'll believe it when we see it, when we yeah. start seeing, you know, people being hired. And, and I mean, there's some people attached to it already. We'll see if, if it follows through. So we're heading in that direction. So in a way, yeah, okay, maybe that maybe we'll get it. And even if we don't, it's a great ride. So let me tell you about what I experienced and you tell me if it matches what, what you have. Getting to the ride itself... And now, granted, in the Magic Kingdom where they put the ride in, it's in Future World. If you're familiar with it, it's right next to where Space Mountain is. Yeah. And the land of tomorrow, yeah. It's right behind it, right to the to the left of it. You, you just kind of walk off to the side. As a matter of fact, the store that is attached to Space Mountain, that's the store that where they have all the products for Tron. That is like the main Tron shopping area. The gift shop is not attached to the ride itself. It's attached to a different place. But anyway, you go up this snaking kind of path where you're working your way towards the ride. So they, it purposely takes you through this uh, snake kind of turns. And as you approach the ride, you see those huge, huge canopies that during the day, obviously, they're just kind of whitish. That's at what I was going to say. Were you on during the day or at night? I was there during the day the first time. But then I went a second time that I didn't get on the ride. But I just went there to take pictures. And it wasn't full, full-blown night but it was starting to get a little dark so, so the they were they, they were starting to turn the lights on it wasn't as great as pure you know black night because the lights really are cool at night so i'm, I'm hoping to, to the next time that i get on the ride i want to get on it at full night this way i could see it you know when you're in the outside part of it fully lit up so you're walking up this path and one of the first things that you encounter as you're walking through the path the rail is actually over your head. You, you yeah. know, you start to kind of walk through it. And one of the things you encounter is two sample bikes that people can get on to see if they can comfortably fit on the ride. Now, the first thing I'm going to ask you about is if the Shanghai one has what this one has. And I found out this ahead of time because I knew that there were some issues. If you're dealing with people that are either disabled or big like myself i'm a big guy they might not fit on certain rides so for example I, I know that i already had issues a while back on pandora the flight of passage the particular ride 
is one that kind of you also get on it in a similar fashion you kind of it's like you know motorcyclish kind of approach and then something squeezes your back to get you into position in the uh pandora thing if the thing doesn't click into your back then you can't ride it because it doesn't hold you now this is a flight simulator it's not like this it's not a roller coaster but in this one i thought the same thing i figured hey i'm gonna have a similar issue so i heard that there is something else and that is that on the last cart there is a sit down seat Instead of two lean forwards next to each other, there is a last cart for disabled people or people that are big. And they did. So when I got on it, I went straight to that seat. Do you remember if Shanghai had the same thing? Well, first of all, I don't think you're big. I think that's a lie. You're robust. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Hold on. I have to send you a, a Apple Pay. Hold on. You'll, 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 you'll get the ding. Here it comes. Ding, ding. <laughs> Secondly, I was so euphoric. Everything you described about the ramp and the curving around and having an, an area where there was, it was a combination of the structure and probably a part of the ride that would come out over outside overhead Yeah, at, yeah. at some point. And uh, again, I was so excited to get up there. I was practically running like I was a kid. Um, <laughs> so I don't recall you did the, what you described with the sample bike or for photos yes. and stuff like that was the same. There might have been other photography areas of other kitschy things. And then I got in and it, you're walking in and it, then it becomes dark. You're now inside and it's dark and glowing and Tron-esque and all the imagery of like Tron lines and stuff. So I don't recall that being available. It's possible it wasn't because China might have different rules for uh, handicap or uh, accessible things, which America has different rules since the, since the late 80s, early 90s. So I'm thinking it's possibly not, but I don't remember. And if it's been added, I haven't been there in a while. And okay. uh, I did fit fine. And that thing, you were right, it makes it feel like you're leaning down and it almost makes like the disc is the back of the uh, buggy over there. Yeah. Now, now, as if that was you, you know, you're in for pictures and things like that. And yeah, for just, yeah. just the ease of the ride to move around. Now, what's amazing was that the first time I went on it, I went straight to that seat. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the, the path to the seat, how we got there inside and everything. The second time I went on, not the ride, but just to take pictures on the outside, you know, or everything going around. I actually saw those because the first time we were in such a rush that we were like, just keep going. It's just like you. Just keep going. Go, go, yeah. go, go. Just go. Yeah. It's funny. We were running late. We were over to, let me start over. Here, you need to get on a virtual queue, which is a system they have at Disney for when there's a new hot ride. The only way you have to do it is you have to reserve it in advance and hopefully you get in and you know you have to wait two, three hours or whatever. Well, what happened was the virtual queues for Tron, there's one at 7 a.m. and there's one at 1 p.m. And what you do is you get on your phone and your Disney app and at, at exactly at that time the virtual queue opens up and you press the button and it tells you if you got in and then approximately what time you will be getting in so we got in at seven in the morning while we were at home we, we weren't at the park you can do the virtual queue from home yeah so we got in at seven and the thing said something like 360 minutes it would have been the basically the equivalent of about six hours of estimated wait time to get on it so we figured all right seven in the morning six hours is one in the afternoon so you know we'll go to the park sometime around 11 or something this way we get there and we still have a couple of hours to wait anyway but we're not going to go running first thing in the morning because we got six hours to wait so we're at home 
And I think it was sometime around like 9.30 in the morning or 10 in the morning, we get a notice that your number has been called up. It's like, what? I'm like, wait a minute. What happened to six hours? Now it turned into like three hours. So we were like, oh, crap, let's just go. So we ran out of the house. And this was like a comedy of errors. We hit some traffic. It normally takes me about a ah, about an hour and 10 minutes to get there. But you keep forgetting that Magic Kingdom is the, the park that takes that extra step that you don't just park your car and get in the park. No. To get to Magic Kingdom, you go to the TTC, which is an area where you park your car. And then you get on another transportation mode, which is the monorail or a boat. And that takes you to Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom has no parking. So that adds like an extra 20, 30 minutes, you know, of more traveling. So we get to the TTC. Finally, we're already at least an hour late. We get on a monorail. The monorail is going very slow. They're, oh, we have a lot of traffic. We had a lot of traffic. Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) When the monorail gets to Magic Kingdom, we're looking at everything from the window of the monorail. And we're about, I don't know, maybe 20 yards away or from the the, the actual gate. Where Let me out and I'll jump. I'll jump. Well, almost. The intercom comes on and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. We're experiencing some technical difficulties. We're going to have to go back to the TTC. So the monorail goes back in reverse now, really slow to the TTC. TTC because something broke down somewhere and nobody can get anywhere. So at that point, by the time we get to the TTC, we're like an hour and a half late. We make a run for the boat. The boat, everybody and their grandmother is waiting for that boat now because now there's no monorail functioning to Disney. Cut to the chase, half hour later, it took us almost another half hour to make it there. And we're like, okay, we're two hours late now. We're totally screwed. And we're like, okay, no, you know what? Let's go anyway. Let's kind of throw ourselves on the mercy of the court and say, hey, guys, we just spent an hour and a half on a broken monorail and a ferry and this and the other. And the initial ticket said six hours and they called us three hours. And so... I have my whole speech prepared. It's just me and Amanda because Kim didn't want to go on it initially. She's going to probably go on it next time we go. So I have my speech and I'm like, you want to give him the sad story or should I give him the sad story? Like, okay, I'll give him the sad story. So she start, She just says to him, she says to the guy, the monorail broke. We're late because we got stuck on a, on a monorail. And the guy's like, yeah, go ahead. No problem. <laughs> so it's like we, we were, there was so much crap that got us there and then when we got there it wasn't a problem at all (laughs) now now because of that we were in such a rush that's why i was telling you before you know i didn't notice anything i wasn't paying attention i was just trying to get myself there and and the other problem is that when you get a morning reservation they won't let you get then an afternoon reservation it's kind of like one reservation per day per person so we were like oh my god i was getting ready to plead the well you see i can't uh, you know we missed the first one and i can't get on the second one because you guys won't let us and i'm like so the guy was like, yeah, okay, sure, here, go, go in. So that was kind of neat. But the other thing I wanted to mention was, again, the other day, which was uh, yesterday, I think it was, when I went for the second time, not on the ride, but just to take pictures and stuff, I actually got to spend a few minutes on that sample bike. They have two sample bikes outside to see if you fit on them comfortably. And I got on it and, oh my God, it would hurt. Like my legs would hurt because your legs have to go on this thing. Like your your calves have to go into yeah, something yeah. and you're leaning on, you're kind of leaning on your legs. Uh, that's where you kind of lean on it. And then you pull the handle. And as you pull the handle, the thing on the back 
comes in, you know, closes on you. So it was very awkward. And I'm like, oh, my God, thank God they have those seats because it is so awkward and so painful. But then when we can't man to do the bike. No, no, no. We, we didn't do any of the bikes uh, yesterday at all. We did because we didn't have the tickets for it. We didn't have the uh, the queue. So when I got home, I started looking online because I knew there were some people that were posting. There's a lot of bloggers and I mean, people that blog, you know, exactly how the ride goes and everything. And there was one guy who, according to him, he weighs like, 330 pounds and it's like okay well we're we're, we're kind of in my territory there let's he's more full figured yeah 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 so he, he's like you know I heard and, and this was recorded a couple months ago when they were first opened and he's like yeah I heard about the blah 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 and this and the other so he's there standing at the sample bikes the same sample bikes and I, I didn't notice this and he's explaining to us how when you pull on the handle these steel rods come out of the bike itself around the bottom of your leg and they kind of wedge you in there through the bottom of your leg. The back thing has nothing to do with the safety aspect of the ride. Oh. It's all about the legs. You're actually being... Almost anybody can get in if they have this thing around their leg. As long as you can get that rod to go all the way under your legs, you know, at a certain angle, then you're in. It's all about the legs. So you could be somebody who's big on top. But as long as the legs fit, you're fine. And that's why I kept thinking to myself, I keep seeing people on the ride and they, they lift their arms up and it, looks, it almost looks like they're sitting up on a regular bike seat. Yeah. And it's like, well, isn't that like incredibly dangerous to sit up in the middle of the ride? And it's like, and then you think, oh no, because the back thing is not what's holding you in place. What's holding you in place is the legs. So next time I'm on it, I'm going to definitely go and give that a try to see if I can get my leg in there. Because if I can get my leg into the harness, then it's fine. Then I can fit in it. But anyway, so just like you mentioned before, yes, you walk in through that main part of it. And there are these neon kind of lights, Tron kind of lights. And it was a slow queue. You know, we were there. We were probably there another 45 minutes. You know, even though it was our time, we were there quite a while because there was a lot of people inside. And there was one section where you're waiting on the queue and they, on the walls, they have these uh, these pictures of the, the four or five or six team, color teams. So you have certain characters, not from the movie. They're made up characters. Uh, that's something that I also noticed that the, the ride does not necessarily necessarily used Tron Legacy material that is exactly Tron Legacy. In other oh, words, yeah. you don't see any of the actors. You do see the bikes that kind of look like them, and you have other characters that kind of look like they could belong in Tron, but they don't use any like Legacy characters. So while you're snaking through that queue, there's these huge pictures of all these different teams and everybody you're always the blue team that's that's what they tell you you're the blue team but apparently there is a red team and there's a yellow team and there's an orange team or whatever you want to know something none of that makes any sense to me because everything i listened to was in chinese <laughs> and i'm serious and besides the fact that it, it that it wasn't chinese so i didn't understand any of it and it wasn't the type of thing that there's subtitles i don't know if there's a queuing area where there was like video or something ours there mm -hmm. wasn't you kind of just walk up, you get in line, then they put you into the, the sections of the bike because there's two by twos. And yeah, so I didn't understand anything. If there was a theme, if there was a story to tell, I didn't hear it. And then I got in, I let that thing do whatever you said, and it co closed on my back. And that mm -hmm. was that. And so, wow. I think it's kind of like going, It's that's what people sometimes say, like when you get married, uh, it's all a blur. Yeah. You don't remember anything. Well, that same cue that I was just telling you about with all the pictures of the characters, 
had these monitors all over the place and there's a a lady you know a tron lady you know remember the the, the, the what do they call them the not the angels the sirens yeah. with, the, with the with the little white eyes and everything and she's telling you about you know welcome to the tron ride and you're going to be experiencing this and this and blah blah blah, blah. you know it's all in character type yeah, of thing yeah, yeah. and you're waiting watching it and it's oh that's cool it's neat there I was probably some- that but i couldn't uh i couldn't understand it <laughs> So from there, you go to a second room. Now, this room, from what I understand, and Amanda told me, something went wrong when we got on it because this second room kind of went very fast and it got you in. But apparently, the first time she went on it, there's a second room where, so on this big wall, you have all these uh, graphics and, uh, you know, electronic images that are designing, you know, and talking to you and blah, blah, blah. And then at a certain point, this huge wall in front of you, um, these tiles, these, these computerized tiles change color and boom, you can see through the wall into like the pit or where all these vehicles are of all these bikes are it's a it's a little trick it's like a light trick where you're staring at a wall full of electronics and next thing you know boom it's a clear glass thing that you can see through and that gets you into the next queue which is the actual queue where you're waiting to get you know to get on the bike and as you're waiting you're kind of high up so you can see down and i think you had the same thing you can see down at the other people that are already getting on yeah and you can see the people not the getting you know the the empty bikes coming back and the new people getting on it is that how it worked on your side too yeah i don't remember any rooms because it moved pretty fast i was pretty early in the day and i didn't really have to wait more than five minutes if that wow so, so i went through everything got into the dark area got into the area we could see through and i took a picture or something like that of myself in the background just for you guys to see it and then we moved into that next area where yeah. then they say, okay, the net, like you're, okay, how many people, you know, I just uh-huh. held up one finger, they pointed me to what row, I got on it, and then with another guy, and we both got on, and before you know it, it's happening. So we didn't have that heavy weight, thank goodness. Uh-huh. And later in the day, probably, the park got crowded, but... I mean, my mission was to get there early, get on that. I mean, if I went home right after that, but obviously <laughs> now I'm in Shanghai Disney, so I did everything else, you know. <laughs> right. No, and it's not unusual sometimes for Disney to not necessarily because part of the ride broke down and they skip a portion of what you're, you know, of the pregame show, but sometimes they purposely skip things to make the thing go faster, to make more people get through. You know, let, okay, let's just keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't, don't let them see this. Just go to the next step, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know. I don't know for sure if if the reason why we kind of skipped that part was because of a problem or just a timing issue. They wanted more people to get in and out fast. Sure. Okay, so we, we're there, and I can see it's getting close to our turn to get on the, the bikes, and we already agreed. Amanda was going to go on the bike bike, and I'm going to go on the, the sit-down part of it. And I'm looking at a guy who is as big as me, maybe a little bigger, and he gets on the bike, and I'm, I'm looking at him like going, oh, this isn't going to work. Uh, you know, uh, uh, him. (laughs) If it's not going to work for him, it's not going to work for me. And he's on it. And then as the attendant, you know, make sure everybody's 
positioned right and secured right, they're like kind of talking to him, and you could kind of tell from far away. Oh boy, they're giving him the convers the, the chat. He's yeah. having the the chat. The sir, you're a little too big for this right excuse, chat. Excuse me, yeah. sir. Perhaps you'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the conversation that they were having, and and it's funny because I'm certain that they're not allowed to suggest that ahead of time. The attendants look at somebody and they can probably say, "Yeah, you're not going to make dare it." You. I know. I want to talk to the manager. Get me Walt right now. So after a few seconds of that, they walked the guy to the back, and he got on the the last seat, which is the state the sit up one. You know the the regular sit down type of seat that these have. Now, not all of them have it. In other words, there's probably I don't know five or six of those little trains going around. Some of them are all bikes. But some of them, I would say at least half of them, at least, have that last seat that is a regular two-seater for somebody that cannot get on their, you know, cannot get on in that manner. So I was the only one using it, so I had nobody next to me. What happens is you sit on it, and there's a, like a chest bar that comes towards you, and it holds you in place like that. That's it. There's no other special thing. Now, I leaned forward a little bit to kind of create that lean forward motorcycle-y kind of feel and it was just fine by me i would say the difference between you leaning forward you know on your stomach sitting down and you being in the bike position maybe it's about a almost a foot difference so as far as the angle i don't think it's a problem it's not like oh my god everything looks different because you're in a sitting position no you lean forward a little bit and you're perfectly fine I loved it. It was, you know, again, you're indoors, obviously getting on it. You have this huge start, this huge takeoff, kind of like a little bit like the Aerosmith ride. Well, that, that's that what he- I was going to say. The, the template is probably Aerosmith, and then the theming is all different to make you feel like you're on a bike instead of a uh, Right. However, I car. still found it less jerky, and there's no corkscrews. There's no upside downs. There's none of that. It was very, I kind of found it closer to test track ah. than a typical roller coaster. But yeah, sure. you're, you're first, you're outside. You're outside and you're doing these things outside. And we, it was during the day, so everything was not lit up, obviously. But yeah, you're doing these sideways things where they're great. And like I said, some people are kind of leaning forward and putting their hands up and that sort of thing. And then you're inside, which feels a little bit like Magic Mountain because it's in the dark. It feels a little bit like Aerosmith and, and even the, uh, the new Guardians arrive. Indoor, you have all these neon-y kind of things and explosions are happening and you might see some bikes being projected here or there and that's cool too. It felt fast. It felt like you blink and it's over. You mentioned a team. I'm kind of thinking maybe there was another bike set of bikes that went at the same time, but I couldn't remember if they were just a mirror image of us or if it was another group who went at the same time. That I don't remember. So, like, there might have been a, a race theme type of thing. Or Well, it's funny. That's one of the things that we mentioned with the, the group we were with, that it's, it's a shame they couldn't make it so that you have two tracks and they run side by side. So you can get that feel of racing against someone else. Yeah. But it's definitely one single track. That's definitely what you're dealing with. But yeah, I mean, it's a great ride. I would recommend it. I want to do it again. I want to try to maybe try to do the, other position to see if I can do the the leg thing if if my legs fit in there. The only downside again it's that it's very short. But I am glad that they at least have these back seats now for people that are larger that have to miss out on so many other rides uh, because they don't fit. And it could be an American thing, you know. Obviously, Amer- 
our diets and and the the American measurements are a lot yeah. bigger than than international. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they they kind of learned their lesson from um, from flight of passage and said, you know what, we, we better do something about that because we're we're going to be turning people away left and right. You're going to probably have more opportunity. And that's the one thing I'm disappointed that I couldn't see because it looks so beautiful from the pictures. And in the same thing with Florida is as Shanghai is the night ride. And uh, you'll probably have more opportunity for that. I obviously won't be as frequently in Florida as you. So I'm sure that has another aspect of it at night, making it even more cool with that glow of the outside in addition to the inside. Right. But that's the difference. The glow only changes at night and the outside the the, in, the, the inside looks like the inside no matter when you're in it so you don't miss anything out yeah i think you're gonna have a good opportunity to see that nighttime is what i'm yeah saying. and i'm and, and right now it's a little difficult because the summertime it doesn't get dark until 8 30 is when the sun goes down around now and the the fireworks uh, for the park started around 9 15 or something so if you're trying to time, first of all, you can't time it out because you have no control over it. It's the virtual queue, and the virtual queue tells you when to go. So, well, so, someday, someday you yeah, won't have to worry But that's yeah. the thing. We, every time we go, if we go to the Magic Kingdom, we'll try to get on it. And then if we can kind of, you know, make it work that way, that's great. Outside, yes. Outside, as the train, I, I like to call it a train, I guess, because it's a, it's a row of, of, of motorcycles. As they go through, not only do you have the this huge, huge canopy that is a different, it's usually bluish. But sometimes as the motorcycles go through it, certain panels change color as if they're affecting, you know, the movement of the motorcycle. So you have this big, big blue ceiling kind of thing. And as the motorcycle goes through, it changes to orange, 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 or white, 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 white. You know, they, they really do a, a great job with these light effects that they obviously pop up at night. Now, once you get off the ride, they also have one more thing. As you're walking towards the exit, you know, as you're, as you're getting out, you do pass by a reproduction, I guess, of what a real bike of those things would look like. So in other words, this is not a riding ride bike, but what the reality of that bike would be. So it's a lot bigger, it's up high, so you could look at it, and it's kind of, it's supposed to, I guess it's supposed to be like a movie prop, you know, a yep. version of the ride. So that's kind of neat too that you get to do that. And it is unusual, yeah, it is unusual that the, the gift shop for this is on a different building on a different ride, but it's nearby, and uh, they they have a lot of merchandise. Again, I would say ninety five percent of the merchandise do not have Tron Legacy directly attached to. You know, I wonder. I mean, it's a Disney property, so I don't think it would have been a a rights issue unless like certain actors only give the rights to their face if you do something, you know, if you pay them extra or yeah. something. I don't know. But there's a lot of, like, simple, you know, typical Disney merchandising. It's merchandising. smarter to keep it generic because it's already 13 years since it yeah. came out. So yeah. it makes more sense to keep it fresher than somebody saying, geez, that came out a long time ago and they're still selling it. You know, people, people are silly sometimes. One thing that they do have that I think they kind of learned it from the uh, Pandora side. In the Pandora, they were doing these customized faces for for these figures that they were selling for for the, for the Navi. Wow. Here, what they have is a they'll scan your face and they'll put like a little video holographic image of you of your face on those you know twelve inch figures. Interesting. So it's it's super expensive, and uh, they also have these reaction type. 
you know, like the old, you know, the like, old ones, yeah. they've been modified. So they kind of, I think the old ones, was it Tommy or something like that? I forget the name. Uh, yeah. They Tommy, have, yeah. they have been modified. So they are slightly different, but it's exactly the same size, all the different colors and all that kind of stuff. So you do have that too, as something you could buy. They're a little too expensive. Each figure, I think, costs like $20, $25. The motorcycle costs something like $60, I think, dollars or $50, $60, $70. They're way, way overpriced. And yeah. uh, all I got was, I think I got like a magnet to put on our fridge. and You know, nothing fancy. But that was our experience uh, at the Tron ride. It just occurred to me there was one other thing where you saw what would be like a prop bike from the movie. We had a buggy basically uh, representing like the one Cora rode in. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. So we couldn't go on it. It wasn't that type of thing. You got near it and probably for photo opportunity and things like that. And like I said, there might have been a bike situation too, but it's been a few years too, so I'm a little I'm a little uh, unclear what everything that I saw. I tried to take pictures, but I was just so excited. I didn't get as many as I hoped. Very nice. All right. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about today is the new retro Indiana Jones action figures. And those uh, are right up my alley. Well, similar to what they've been doing with Star Wars, where they're starting to tippy-toe into the retro world of them re-releasing uh, figures that already existed in the past and creating some new ones, they're doing now a similar thing with Indy now. Let's keep in mind that because of the release of this new film, they're going full blast in terms of merchandising, and the retro figures are just a portion of what's being sold. In other words, you have the, the six-inch figures like they do with Star Wars and Marvel and everything. You got all kinds of other toys, you know, your, your plush things, your t-shirts, your hats, whatever. But within this thing, they've released a couple of waves of new figures that you can either add to your existing collection of your older ones, or you can just substitute them all if you never had them in the first place. But let's just briefly go over what existed in the past, because Star Wars lasted, the Kenner line lasted five, six, seven, about eight years. But the Indy line must have lasted, what, one year? The original one? I would say, it, let's say it lasted two. And we're being generous. <laughs> and that was, yeah, was a, yeah, that was maybe 18 months. <laughs> and I kick myself. These were right at my wheelhouse. I love the Kenner Star Wars. I have all of them. And many of them are still packaged. But I even bought the retro line when they came back out. A lot of people derided it. A lot of people were angry about it. I like the idea that they did that as long as they were putting some newer or interesting things too, which they have. You know, everybody's got a complaint about something, but I liked it. You liked it, I think, a, a lot of them. We tried to get a few. It was nice. I basically bought all the Star Wars ones as retro, and then the new ones that never came out made me feel like I was getting new figures again, like you know, like it was 40 years ago. But Indy, I guess I was just buying too much Star Wars stuff, and the money only goes so far. In the only figure I bought of Indy was Indy. And it's an awesome looking figure, and it, it, you know, as far as Kenner style goes, it's very good representation of Indy. But I didn't go any further back then, and uh, it shocked me. And depending on what you call a figure, there's anywhere from like eight to ten, maybe even eleven figures, if you want to call some other things that didn't have any mobility figures. And I kicked myself, and over the years, I always looked, geez, what would it take? My my Indy is still packaged. 
in its original package, which makes it sort of valuable if I can find somebody who wants to buy it. It's clean card, not bent, not faded, not damaged. But to go back, not counting the retro line, and try to find those figures, even if you wanted to buy most of them loose, let's say you didn't even want new, they start to get very expensive because some of them had newer style instead of vinyl capes and stuff. They had cloth goods. And they had accessories and guns and certain things like that. And, and marriage dress is very intricate and so on and so forth. So to buy these guys, even the commons, even the guy with no real accessories but a wrench or uh, a couple of those type of guys, it felt like it was a very expensive endeavor. And I just never got into it. I just never went back and tried. I figured I've got my indie. That's good if I want to ex- display him. And right before they announced this, I found our pal Stan Solo, who makes customs brilliantly, better in fact, but like the Kenner style, they made a Marion. And I've since found out he was going to do retros of his own, much like in the Star Wars style. And what that means, I don't know if there would have been new figures that we never got, or more redos of figures that are very expensive, like Marion. And his is fantastic. I got it at the end of last year, I feel. And sure enough, what do you think happened? Then what do you... They, <laughs> they announced the new retro line, which put the kibosh on his, as far as I know. I hope he finds the ability or the interest to go back and revisit that, especially if there were some that had never been made. He should sue. He should sue Disney. Uh, I know, but I think, <laughs> I think to avoid... <laughs> the fact that it's in the their thing, they could have made an issue of it and given him a hard time. And I guess he thought better of having to deal with that and ramp up all his productions and uh, designs and only to get, you know, hassled. But that's very sad to find out. But besides that, though, I was very pleased to get new representation. Some people, like I said, are not as thrilled about the retro line. And there's always the people not thrilled because they have originals and they don't want to share and have people like me who now went and bought the $10, $12, $15 version when theirs were two, $300, you know, their best representation. And I get it. And so on the other hand, with the Star Wars side, I have all those figures, especially of the final 17 of the Power of the Forces, that everybody gets now a little bit cheaper because they're so expensive on their card. But I was very, very happy to see that they were making a handful. They didn't go crazy even. They went less crazy than the Star Wars lines. Five, I think, they made. And then they announced there would be some from Temple of Doom and from Last Crusade. And I assume they would continue to, if they sold to maybe Crystal Skull and maybe this Dial of Destiny. So I found everything. The hardest ones to find were Sala from Last Crusade and Henry Sr. I'm still looking for those two. Well, (laughs) it turns out they were delayed in America, and I don't know if it was to tie in closer to have product on the shelf for the new movie coming out when people went to look, because they're also selling crazy amounts of other Indiana Jones figures. That line was special. But, I mean, over the years, there's been other versions of indie figures, some basic, some very elaborate when it comes to the Hasbro versions in the 2008. Most of those, however, because the movie wasn't so great, didn't sell. So they're hard to find. Some of them, it's got its own legend to it. But I was so excited to have these. I've displayed them in a row. It was just, I like, and I think you do because we've done so many shows on it. I like the Kenner style still. I've bought other figures over the years from the Hasbro line of Star Wars. I bought 
I think all the indie figures from 2008, even the ones that were rare at the very end because they couldn't sell them and they eventually dumped them, I think I got those. Uh, and I can't remember everything anymore. It's been so many years. But I love the Kenner style. So while I can't buy all the Kenner styles again, if they did these retros for a further amount of figures, I would be just as in now as I should have been back then, just like I am with the Star Wars ones. I can't display my Star Wars ones because I have so many of them, and they're boxed and bagged and packaged and protected, but I don't feel any worry displaying the carded retro versions of Star Wars, and now I've done the same thing with Indy. Like I said, I had to have them all now. I had to have one of each, and I finally got Henry and Sala from a company in Canada called The Bog, great company. Check it out. I was worried coming from Canada, are they going to come in a diplomatic pouch and be all crushed? <laughs> they sent them so well protected, and that was it. So I got them same price, basically, as what it would have cost to wait for Target, because I think they're Target exclusives, most of these. Many of them I got from Amazon, actually. They had a jump on it, and then I got a few from Target, and a few more from Amazon, probably, and then, like I said, that company, The Bog, Check them out because they were really great and fast. And I love the designs. I love what they did with the new ones that they never made before. And they fit in just right. Now, let me say, as a fan, I get what the collectors are saying. But I think you've noticed this from the few you have. They're either slightly different, less detail, maybe slightly shorter or slightly different in terms of packaging. So there would be very... You're a, uh, a collector and you held an original 1982 figure up from that line to the exact same one from the retro line, I think it would be discernible enough to know. Now, there's always people who don't check or are more easily fooled for whatever reason. Obviously, if they're carded, the cards have, they're totally different. You know, they, they have that same look and feel, but, you know, the packaging is different and it clearly looks like it's a modern date of things. Now, if people want to go through that whole charade of recarding them on old cards that looked like they were then, well, you've got to be diligent when you're talking big money like that and hope you don't get fooled because it should be clear enough in terms of how these figures are presented that they're not the exact same ones. They're more retro style. They're in the style of the old ones, but not meant to be exact duplicates. And there's been plenty of other shows on YouTube that people have tried to show you the differences in what's better or what's not better. And, you know, I'll never open mine, so I'll never know. But I'm very happy. Well, what I remember was that I, I did get a few of them originally when they first came out. And one of the things that are different is that uh, when you compare them to a Star Wars uh, figure is that these guys have a little more articulation. There's knee articulation on the Raiders figures. You can actually bend the knees. And with certain figures, especially the indie figure, it has a spring-loaded arm so you can kind of have him, you know, hit somebody with, over the head with something or whip out the gun or something like that. So that is something that I guess they were trying to kind of differentiate themselves from Star Wars. As you mentioned, they did a lot more work with cloth materials where Star Wars might have kind of continued a little longer and experimenting with cloth, but a lot of vinyl stuff with Star Wars. Here, they went straight for cloth. So, for example, let me mention some of these uh, characters. You have, obviously, the, the main indie character, which, like I said, has that spring-loaded arm thing going on. The uh, Cairo Swordsman, the, which was a great character. Talk about it, you blink and you miss it. 
but they they had that figure. They had a Marion figure, which is very similar to the one they that they put out now. They have the Toth figure, the, the henchman. That was again. This is original ones we're talking about. They had a Belloc. They had two. Never, they had two. One that's wearing white that I, I never had before, and then they had the one from the ceremony at the end, which that's the one you got to order, and I did with the proof of purchase. That old proof of purchase thing that they, that Kenner does. There was the mechanic, the bald guy, which is the the famous stuntman that uh, I think Roach. His last name is Roach. I never had him before. Uh, I never could find him. There was also an indie in German disguise, in Nazi disguise. I like, you know, obviously anything with indie was cool. It's like having another Han Solo or something yeah. like that. But. Again, that's another one I never had back then. I only had like four or five of them back then. There was the Sala in the complete uh, robes from the market. There was also, I mentioned the, um, I mentioned the Belloc. Mine was a mail order, but apparently they also did put out a carded version of Belloc. Towards the end. Then you had, you can buy the horse. I never had the horse, the white horse that he rides on. And then there were a couple of play sets that some included another figure. So for example, the map room came with an indie that he is wearing robes, kind of like Sala, where they're hiding, you know, they're disguising. So that was a way of, of getting uh, that particular figure. Then you had a Streets of Cairo set, the very small set that included the monkey man figure, the guy that has the eye patch, a little tiny monkey, <laughs> and a little tiny, it's called a crouching Marion. It's Marion kind of crouching. That's what I was trying her, to say. That it's some figure, it's barely a figure, but I it's guess. It's a sculpture. It's more of a sculpted, non-posable you know, non, um, figure. They also had the Well of the Souls. Now, this one didn't come with any extra figures. It came with an arc, which was kind of neat. And then the last item that I remember that they had, that, I, again, i never seen, this I never saw in the, in the store, is one of those convoy German trucks. It also came with no figures. So you could kind of recreate the, the fight, even though you have no Nazis, really, to put in there, other than some that don't even belong there. And, and the, other, the only other thing that, that you could add to this that we're not really talking about today, but because we've talked about it in the past, is the 12-inch version of Indy. So that is your original, original uh, figures. And as I said, I only had maybe half of them. I, I never... Um, I was never, it's not that I didn't like them. I just, I don't think I saw them. I don't think, I I think they were a little harder to find when you got into those next levels. They didn't penetrate as much as Star Wars. They didn't have that, that crazy of a reach in terms of making it to all the stores. Now, you mentioned before the differences in uh, in the figures. Well, the differences in the packaging, I'm looking at the packaging of the retro one. And another thing to mention here, which I think you might have mentioned it too, uh, or, or not, is that for the Star Wars ones, they have a huge sticker that says retro collection or something. These Raiders ones don't have any sticker that say that. The Raiders ones, if I'm looking at the cover right now of the card in the bubble and everything, the main difference between the original and this one is that the original one has a little thing in the front that says uh, products included and it talks about some of the things that they have on the product. This one does not have the new ones, the retro ones don't have it. They also have the thing that says ages four and up on the top right. The new ones don't have that. The new ones have a uh, warning choking hazard. Then on the top left, 
The new ones have a four plus, which is there's your age range. The original ones have the uh, the number, you know, like the SKU number of, of manufacturing. Uh, the old ones also have, and I don't know if this was a sticker or if this was built into the card, the Belloc offer. The little red uh, stickery looking Belloc head that says five proofs of purchase. And the sample of where you can see Indy doing the gun uh, draw for the arm action is a little bit to the left in the original card. So you make room for the Belloc thing here. That's all the way to the right. So these cards also do not have any of that on-purpose weathering that they did for Star Wars. If you guys remember, uh, what that's one of the ways you can tell the cards apart is that they purposely gave them this fake weathering, like rub, like like slightly torn look to it. Yeah. No, these ones are pristine. Yes, they did these more to be actual retro, which which is a weird choice with the Star Wars ones. I mean, I get the idea that they wanted it to feel like oh, somebody found these and they were uh, you know around or in a you know in a box someplace, but it's yeah. kind of dopey to make a retro line put a big fat red sticker on it but make it look all this speed up and weathered like we collect a lot of different figures from customizers who have made the cards and I love having a fresh looking card I just got a Princess Leia in Yavin outfit in ceremonial Yavin whatever you want to call it yeah and, yeah yeah, and yeah it made me feel like I was a kid again like it could have been from like 1979 which when it should have come out you know no I know I know and what else could they have done would they think would somebody suggest like well why don't you take the card and just crush it crush it completely <laughs> And we're going to give it a real, like, oh, my God, this card just fell off a truck and it got run over by a car. And, and here, yeah. here, fans, yeah. deal with How this. How about the crushed bubble? How about the, the, bent, <laughs> the bent and torn, like, people, like, when you go to when you go to or, shop, the one that's been sitting there, they, yeah. the Lando that's been sitting there for six years with a bent and it's been ripped and they've taped it. It's like, yeah, well, that's retro, right? That's fun. Better yet, make the bubble yellow. This way it looks like the sun has been fading it for the last 30 years. No, it's kind of silly. With Star Wars, I'm imagining maybe it's because Star Wars people are such pain in the asses in terms of, oh, my God, retro is going to put us out of business and blah, 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 they, they're stealing from us and blah, blah, blah. So they, maybe they purposely made the card look even worse. But the art on the card is, is also purposely slightly modified, just like this one. I mean, if you look at it from far away and you don't pay attention, it's like, yeah, this is a perfect duplication. And it's not. Because if you compare them side by side, they are not the same thing. Now... As to the figure, you mentioned also before, if you have a loose figure, yeah, that's a little harder to tell. What's a real one, what's not a real one? Obviously, I'm pretty sure that if you look at the stamp in the back that tells you the year or the manufacturing, there's going to be a difference between those two. I haven't opened mine, so I, I, don't purposely, I haven't purposely looked <laughs> to see what the leg is, but I'm sure that in the back of the leg, there's going to be something different than the original ones. The quality, yes. There will be a difference in quality. And this is something that I'm also hearing. When it comes to collecting, just like when it comes to just about anything, with Star Wars, even with Indiana Jones, and I'm hearing it from some of these other groups that we talk about, there is a certain level of elitism when it comes to collecting, where you're just a collect, but I know about all the variations, and I know about, like, the sideburn is a slightly pointy as opposed to the sideburn that is slightly U-shape, and... You know, I'm more of a of an authority and you're not. There's a lot of that going on in collecting, I think. And a lot of it has to do... And, and I noticed the same thing you mentioned, that as soon as these came out, there were people that were trashing the crap out of them. And these are people that are 
not necessarily vintage people that they they own all the vintage ones and are kind of like rooting for the home team of I own the old ones. No, some of these are people that are, for example, associated with some of these custom yeah. makers who, or they're just who are contrarian. Right. They're they're championing their custom guy. So it's like, no, my custom guy is so good. He makes stuff that is even better than the the vintage stuff that's being put out by the official company. You know, that kind of so it's like, okay, I get it. I get it. You're a fan and okay, be a fan of your guy. But don't, don't just crap over everything because they, they people love doing that. They just love to like I'm the best in the world. F you, everybody. <laughs> well, on, uh, to cover to co- here, here I am, a hardcore collector with a full collection of many, many, many expensive parted figures. I get it. People want it. You want to finish your collection. Other people want to. So I get it. And there's something to be said that some of these customizers who are making copies are making them better than they ever were, and that really, yeah. really well done. What I gravitate towards is things that I've never had, which, okay, I did buy the Marion, so it could have been construed as, oh, well, this guy could have bought from a collector who's trying to sell his something he's saying. Yeah. But I bought it from Stan Solo, who worked his ass off to make it better than the original, even. And I like the fact that the customizers that we talked about have tried to make new stuff, to make things that they would have gotten to if they had one more year or two more years. And that's that's the best part. And that's back to indie. Here is the perfect opportunity for people to knock it out of the park. Now, I'm not sure if the demand is the same for indie as it is for Star Wars, so I can see where there'd be some trepidation. Yeah. Uh, same thing with, I see people doing, and you probably have Kenner's version of the superheroes. Do you remember Kevin Kenner did... Uh, the superpowers. I see people. Oh, okay. People are starting to get into that, or not starting, but they're they're starting to make more of figures that are either hard to find or no, you know, never were made. The whole idea makes me happy that we can go back. It's been forty years. There's at least Kenner didn't just make exact copy. Hasbro, I should say, make exact copies of Kenner. Which, if you think about it. G.I. Joe's have made copies and maybe they changed some of the color scheming or something like that. That's not a new thing. So, in the Star Wars case, the bear gets me. In the indie case, I get the bear. And I'm very happy. And at least for the next couple months, till the new indie movie feeling wears off and everything, I will have these on display uh, right next to some of my retro and custom Star Wars figures. Oh, yeah. Now, if again, if, if I'm spending my own money on this, and I know that, for example, there's a customizer that can get me a certain figure for, let's say, $50, which is a lot of money for a figure. I mean, it is a lot of money. And then I know that there's a Kenner version that's coming out that's only going to cost me maybe $12. You know, I'm not that much of a perfectionist that even if the other one is a little tiny bit better, I'm going to go with the $50 one. I doubt it. If I know it's coming, I will wait. But yeah, if if we knew exactly what was coming, and if we if if everybody knew exactly what that what was not coming, that's the trick. If you know for a fact something is not coming, that's the type of things that these customizers you know have to make because that's what people are going to want. With these figures, yes, they've only put out a few, not too many, as you said, the, the, the ones you mentioned earlier, and it limits the collection up until Last Crusade. They didn't touch at all, Crystal Skull or 
the new movie, The Dial of Destiny, with the vintage side. They they did touch them plenty with <laughs> with this with the six yeah. inch ones. You know, and I have a feeling, and I'm not going to say why. Depends on your point of view. They probably aren't going to get into the newer two movies, and they might not go any further because I don't know that all these are selling like gangbusters. I probably bet you people are getting the indies, but I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of solos or, you know, German soldiers sitting on the shelves. And they might not want to take that chance. I don't know if they have a second wave. A second wave would be great. I have 10 so far. I think that's about what they put out. 10 seems like a good number to get your toe wet again if you never got them the first time or if you had them and they got ruined. But... Maybe another five or ten would make me real happy, you know. And uh, But would you want newer movies or would you rather have more of the old stuff? Me personally, I would not necessarily rush to have the newer movie stuff only because I'm older. I would like to have one or two more of things that never were made. And I don't know what they would be off the top of my head, but maybe, you know, they've got it. Unfortunately, they've got to be characters that sell. So maybe it would be nice to have Moolah Ram. Or maybe it would... Oh, yeah. Because they did a poor job of marketing those toys. I think those were LJN. They were a little taller. They were more like five inch rather than three and three quarters. Or, or maybe they were four inch. And they were a little beefier. So they really weren't compatible. People liked them. Yeah. They made an indie figure for, that was like a Disney Park exclusive that people went crazy over in terms of its presentation and a lot of accessories. But again, that was available from the Disney parks or if you were able to go to a Disney store at the right time, yeah. the moon was in yeah. the right orbit. So this, and, and, I, and unfortunately, the 08 versions kind of failed a little bit. There was a little initial excitement, but they kind of pooped out too because the movie didn't have you know as much excitement in it for people to keep going with it. So this is, as far as collectors go, make the cards the same, make the Moolah Ram, make Elsa. Make maybe, uh, what's his name? Dietrich, I think it was, or somebody like that. Or Willie. They could make Willie. How did I forget Willie Scott? Of course. So maybe you have five easily to get to, six if you want to go, and then you could stop because then you've touched on key members from each of them, you know? Again, I don't know what they're thinking, and if not, I hope they stop soon because then Chris from Stan Solo can get back in the game and uh, buy his, you know, uh, or some of them anyway. Because I'm sure he would knock it out of the park with a Moolah Ram or somebody like that. His skills with uh, Slave Leia was so good, and the Marion was so perfect that uh, if he did a Willie, I think it would be fantastic, or an Elsa. It would be also interesting if they wanted to come up with some of those playsets, those little playsets. Because the playset is a perfect opportunity to bring in a figure that necessarily wouldn't sell... Uh, on its yeah, own. Yeah, that's true. So, for example, you if you have that truck, you put in a couple of Nazi soldiers in it. You know, you put in some... Hard to market a Nazi these days. R yeah, not a... Well, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> and the funny thing was that I think if I remember right, and I'm looking at the picture here, yeah, they did. I'm pretty sure that one of the things that happened was that they... And I think I read this somewhere that Spielberg specifically said, or Lucas specifically said, make sure that the toys don't have any, like, SWAT stickers on them or anything like that. And I'm looking at the truck. There is no... You couldn't tell it's a Nazi truck. And there's no really Nazi characters other than Tolothan. He's just not wearing anything that's uniform. Uh, you know, there's no uniform-related yeah. thing. He's just got that, that leather outfit, which can't really tell what it is. But I think that was one of the speculations. A redo of toys would be harder. I think it's easier to put figures on a peg than it is to then have trucks or cars or vehicles and... 
Oh and yeah, as, of as, as we've seen, Star Wars has pretty pretty much stuck with just the figures, except maybe that bo- a couple box sets that they did, but they haven't gone and said, "Oh, we're going to do like we're going to do a retro land speeder," which that's so easy. It's an easy it's an easy mold. You know what I mean? But. They're not going to do that. One additional thing I'd like to add, and even though we're not reviewing six-inch figures today, is that part of the new wave of Raiders merchandising, and again, let's keep in mind that Raiders is not Raiders. It's Indiana Jones well, and the Raiders, because they, they rebranded it years don't ago. Don't insult me. It's still Star Wars, yeah. Empire, and Jedi. I know. So it's, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that they did was release a lot of, of, of the six-inch figures, and one of the things I noticed that it was around this time where I started to notice not just the Raiders Indiana Jones that the six inch figures now came in a box without the plastic uh, uh, yeah. see through these are boxes that are closed and this is part of an initiative that I think have you heard uh, that's Hasbro right? have you heard that thing yes I heard that well they, well, let's go in order the initiative was that they were trying to use less plastic so they could be more green uh, more conservation fun, yeah. more green right 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 and they did it and they immediately changed their mind at some point because I don't know if people complained about it or whatever the reason, but it was kind of annoying that you could not see the product. You had a picture of the product and you couldn't like open a flap or anything to look inside. And yes, as soon as you got them out there, they were already in the process of changing them out. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see the plastic ones. And you want to know why this happened? In addition to the collector saying, hey, don't mess with my collection because I display them in a certain manner. There's the chance that unscrupulous people could open up a box as carefully as you could imagine and take out the rare one and put a common in and you take it home and you may never open it and you might have you might have a box of rocks. Your dreaded brick analogy that you still keeps you up at night. <laughs> I told you I did have that happen with some Lego set. I took it home and it was filled with garbage and paper towels inside. It had a few things to make it sound like oh. bricks. And it just so happened to be one that I wanted to build. It was a pirate set <laughs> that they remade in like the 90s or 2000s or something from the 90s in the 2000s they remade it. And I gave it a shot and I went home to build it. I'm like, what the F? I had to go back. I had to find it. Thank God it wasn't rare. Well, it also that, <laughs> something like that also happened. Not unscrupulous, probably more or less just a mistake. It was a, a starting lineup figure, which are the sports figures from Kenner back in the day. And I opened it for display. And a key piece, uh, this was a more deluxe one, and a key piece of the sign was missing. It was a display piece. And it's like, what the heck? I hope this isn't like this with all of them. So thank God I was able to hustle back, get another one. I think they listened. I don't know if it affected sales already, but I think it would have affected sales because people would have either been opening them at the store to make sure and they would have a bunch of pieces or people would have been playing games and who knows what people would have had you know you can't sell a mint anymore because it would have opened yeah yeah but uh, hopefully with this Raiders line you know uh, I would be happy if they stop now you know it would be great to have more but if they stop now at least we know that there's a limit and we know we completed that collection and it's done and you know I, that, I, I agree with you I would like it and thing you always say things don't have to go forever Put the limit on it, make it nice, and don't every year have to add and add and add, especially if you did a good job with these 10 or same thing. I know a lot of people are saying with Star Wars, do we really need X, whatever the next series is? Do you really need that? And it's like, well, if they make stuff we never had, I kind of want it because it makes me feel good. 
but no, I don't need it. I don't. And, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, because then they have you chasing your own tail. You know, the, the amount of time it takes to find these things, the amount of money you end up paying for that last piece that you never had, you know, it's like, nah, just make it say, even I'm upset even about the Sala and Professor Jones, where it's like, just don't short pack them. Let them have, let people have them. And then that's it. Then they're happy. I was going to try to buy a vintage Cairo Swordsman. And they're hard to get, like I said, so you almost have to buy him packaged. You can buy them complete, loose, but, you know, they're hard to find. And sometimes even more money. Oh, yeah. But I, the cheapest one I had had a damaged card. I think I offered $100. I figured, wow. I figured I don't care about the damaged card as much. I'll have a, another one. And I'm glad uh, the, the guy was fine. He tried to offer, you know, a, a counter offer for a few bucks more. And it, he wasn't ruthless or anything like that. It was fair. I just declined because I thought about it. Like, I didn't want to spend more than 100 bucks, and I shouldn't even have spent that. I'm glad it didn't work out, because I don't need... I have I have this 10. They're clearly all retros. I don't have to start mixing and matching. I may even... I know this sounds crazy. I may even ultimately sell my indie, the original indie, to somebody, because they go for like two or three, maybe even more, depending on how, how mint my cards, you know, and everything compared. I'm looking at a website here. It says, carded... Value market value is somewhere between seven hundred and nine hundred. Indie, the original indie of indie alone. Well, indie alone. Definitely going to start thinking about selling it because you know what? I'm happy. It's sacrilege, I know, because there's real collectors out there who have made displays and they've collected their hearts out, just like I did with Star Wars. But I, I, I can't just catch up. I can't catch up now. So if it makes somebody else happy to have an original. I think I would be just as happy to have the one I have. It looks almost the same. I've seen reviews, and it's good enough for a guy like me who never had any of them except Indy. And he's in a box, and I haven't seen him since 1982. <laughs> you know, or, I, I, I'm, I'm being silly. I have, but you know what I mean. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I'd like to thank James for joining us. Nice to have him back every now and then. We talked about Tron, the ride all the little differences and all the different upgrades and finally my reaction (laughs) to something like that i've been watching this thing you know slowly being built for years now and i think they did an excellent job a couple of last minute items having to do with tron i know that one report was talking about how the writer strike had kind of put the the brakes on this proposed next sequel that they were kind of in the works very unusual because we were getting so very little information and all of a sudden we hear oh wait a minute the writer's strike uh, they were about to get started but now they they put the brakes on it but hey as of recording this i believe the writer's strike is pretty much settled hopefully by the time i upload the show no nothing will have gone wrong so maybe that could be a good sign of a future for the tron legacy And also another thing about the Tron news was I read a little article having to do with uh, somebody getting hurt on the ride. Actually, apparently the person had like a broken rib or something because of the way that they got into the ride and then pushed themselves in, you know, like strapped themselves in, pushed very hard on it. The person was saying that, I don't remember it was a man or a woman, but uh, she was uh, very thin and, you know, having to lean on your stomach especially your your rib cage and then being pushed in even further probably caused that injury so far 
I haven't heard anything about lawsuits, but the the wording of the article and and Disney seems to be very cooperative in what's happening in terms of uh, you know trying to figure out exactly what happened and you know if there's any modifications that need to be done. And the person stating something that it caused her to not be able to go on a job interview or a career path that she wanted to go to and uh, is is not going to be riding that ride ever again kind of gives you a little bit of a murky status of will this turn into a lawsuit or not i don't know it would not surprise me one bit of course but i'm sure there's you know a certain amount of risk that you take when you go into the park and when you ride certain rides you know in my particular case like i said i'm glad they have those special seats because if you can't fit properly you go to the special seats and maybe that's you know what not made not only for people that are obviously handicapped one thing or a little too big a little too heavy right and maybe if you're a little too thin or too light that could be another reason why you know it's it's like the opposite problem but with the same results you would then just go to that back row seat instead of the leaning forward motorcycle you know style one other final item having to do with the indiana jones figures because some time has passed between the time i recorded this and now i was finally able to get those last two figures that i was looking for the professor jones and the sala figures i basically ended up ordering them directly from target they announced that they were going to start taking orders and that's how i ended up getting them for you know regular price i think 11.99 or 12.99 something like that but ironically as recent as about a week ago they had them at the store already on basically clearance for 5.99 so uh, you know these super hard to find figures all of a sudden you know ended up on the discount rack so yeah it's unusual how these things happen sometimes but anyway once again i want to thank james for joining us today and we will see you guys next time here at geekfest rants bye-bye everybody Jones, at your service, Toad. Ah! <laughs> Indiana Jones and other action figures, new from Raiders of the Lost Ark collection, each sold separately. Watch him, Kyber Swordsman. Yeah, watch my swing. Nice. Mm. All downhill from here, Swordsman. You'll be sorry, Jones. Tricky again, Toad. Indiana Jones, Toad, and Cairo Swordsman action figures, each sold separately from Raiders of the Lost Ark collection, new from Kenner. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2023. <laughs>